Net. Bringing Knoxville the uncompromised Word of God. This is The Way, 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. We've got rockets fired. We've got rockets potentially being shipped. We've got a major financial player getting ready to rock the banking world. And we've even got China ready to throw rocks. So get ready to have your prophetic world rocked as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly review of Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, April 14th, 2023. Signs of the Times is part broadcast and part podcast because... That's how we rock. And you know who else rocks? Our sponsor, Bob Johnson Insurance, a full-service independent agency featuring Erie Insurance products to insure your home to the nursing home, from your home to the nursing home, and everything in between. For a personalized quote, you can contact Bob Johnson Insurance by phone at 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. And you can reach us by going to thesigns.org with Your prophecy question, you can share an episode with a friend or read these articles for yourself that we will share on our show. And now, here to ponder if time is money, is an ATM a time machine? Hmm, Is Pastor Mark, who is absolutely done with being a people pleaser, if everyone's okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, we want to get their opinion first. Yes. We want to upset them. Yes, of course. about a soundtrack like you can make anything just, seem funny yes it needed it needed a little boost i still want want those when people come in our house though. i want one connected to the door you know when the, when in the in the sitcom when they walk in the door everybody laughs and claps yes i want one of those as you open the door greg comes in everybody claps because it, it's greg hill yes and everybody claps and laughs and, and then we start talking hey greg thanks for popping over i would love to have that set up I like, want as, that. like as a talk show i want that yes and, and i want one of the things you just play there on my yes. belt yes so I, if i say something like last right. i hit that button and what you just play will be they'll hear that noise and bathroom breaks are commercial breaks yeah, we'll be we'll be back that's, right after this word from our sponsors. That's right. And then, that's right. And then you just yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. Anyway. So we've wasted enough time. Um, <laughs> well, before we get to our articles, Pastor Mark has something uh, important to talk about, uh, and it's uh, you want to know what I think that this deserves the elephant in the room. Yeah, uh, it really does. Uh, because we need to talk about last day's deception and doctrines of demons as it relates to things that are 
kind of making their comeback or making their way around again or yeah. things that have been there all along, but now they've got a resurgence maybe. Yes. And something we need to be warned okay. about as believers. This okay. is, you know, the Bible warns us about this. So Greg, this is a very, you say elephant in the room, but it is elephant in the room, but also I think very prophetic in that it says uh, in first Timothy four, one, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, the latter always refers to the very end. Some will depart, that is believers, from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, we know the Bible talks about a falling away in the last days. And the Bible says that part of that, not exclusively, but part of that's going to be to doctrines of demons. And again, some of maybe some old doctrines of demons. And Greg, I think some new doctrines of demons. And we're seeing some of that resurface. So what I would say to our listeners is, look, we need to be on our toes watching for teachings to come along through the church that change the traditional viewpoint of the Bible for the last 2,000 years. And if something like that comes in, it, and, and that some of those things could be old, it could be new, and say, wait a minute, why is something changing? Why is something being added? What's going on? And we need to be aware of that. Can I, can I change the wording of that, though? Sure, go in, ahead. Instead of the traditional view, right? how about the, the biblically interpreted view? Or the biblically accurate view. Because right. tradition can have a connotation right. that it this is just the belief that was held by people. But if Scripture truly interprets Scripture, then right. we go to Scripture for what the truth is, yeah. and then that's the truth. It's not tradition. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would say anyway, tra- that's just my... If I use tradition, it would be yeah. within, the, within the, the, the guidelines of the early church. Okay. But beyond that, you're right, because church tradition after that did veer off and get weird, but, but doctrinally, yes, biblically accurate doctrine, let's say, yes. it lines up with the early church. And that's really where uh, the church has been for 2,000 years. Now, so what we should be watching for is, first of all, people falling away. That could be a number of things that cause that. I think COVID caused some people to fall away. Oh, um, yes. Because it wasn't worth Absolutely. going to church and they're not coming back. With, okay, so there's going to be different things that do it as God refines his church in the latter days. Is that part of First John 2.19? Uh, they, they left us because they weren't from us or of us. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, here, they went out from us well, because they, they weren't really of us. Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So... That's part of it, but there's also going to be, we're warned, doctrines of demons coming into the church. Now, again, like I said, some could be brand new, and I think oftentimes we we mess up by expecting it to be some new teaching. But Satan is very cyclical. He uses the same things over and over because it works. Remember, after one generation dies, you start over with a brand new baby. Then another generation does, then new babies. And so you've got this whole new group of people. Every generation, you can start deceiving with the same stuff that you deceived in the past, because unless they're taught by their parents and those in front of them, they'll fall for it again. So he has the advantage of being outside of time, being eternal, and then pulling these these tricks or whatever. But I'm watching winds of doctrine, Greg, blow through the church right now that are really starting to stray people away. There's a lot of things out there on the Internet. Um, and I want to give this again. We've talked about it in past shows. I want to give this balance before I jump in, um, because I think that Satan can use this both ways. There are um, legitimate conspiracies that are going on in the world today. Legitimate. Okay, I'm not talking about Bigfoot and flying saucers and all this weird stuff, okay? I'm saying that legitimately, I think we can say now that the leaders of the world, the world's, they're coming together to try to form a one-world government, a global uh, government. That's, that's, you know, that's, they're conspiring together, so it comes under the term of conspiracy. So there are some legitimate, provable conspiracies they're even coming out now and saying yes we're trying to have a one world globe a one world uh you know just government one world everything so that's legitimate and and we have to be careful that we don't throw out the legitimate 
with all the fakes that are out there. Then you've got your illegitimate conspiracy theories, okay? Right. Theories like, yep. you know, Bigfoot, flying saucers. You go down the list. There's, there's so many crazy things that are out there. And I think that uh, the thinking Christian sometimes sees all the crazy things out there. And so what they do is they throw out the real stuff with the crazy. So don't make the mistake of throwing out what's a real conspiracy that the Bible talks about as compared to conspiracy theories that people go just kind of crazy on, so to speak. And that I think that's discernment by God's spirit. Uh, you've got to stick with the word of God. For example, when you see, again, the world government coming together, the Bible says that will happen. That's not a conspiracy theory. The Bible says in Psalm 2 and in Revelation and other places, there is going to be a worldwide conspiracy of world leaders uniting the world as one, as a government, financially, and all these things. Okay, so I think I've made my point there. Don't throw out the real thing with the fake. However, there are a lot of fakes out there, and I'm watching true believers get sucked into it. And it grieves me as a pastor. And we're going to talk about some of those Today, and I'm going to just say before we even get into a couple of these, is all we're really going to cover, but we're going to spend some time. Even if we don't finish all the articles, I want to take the time on this. That's but, fine. Yeah. But here's the bottom line. Um, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on. We need to be warned about it. And I want you to have an open mind to look at the scripture and let God's spirit minister to you with what I'm saying today if you're being drawn in some of these directions. Um, because they can be very alluring. You remember in the garden, uh, there were, there were two trees and the Lord said, Hey, here's the tree of life. Trust me, eat from that one. You'll enjoy life, you'll whatever. But to make sure that man really loved him, he had to have a choice. So he put another tree. People asked me even just this past week, why was there even another tree? Well, because love demands a choice. And if we're going to prove we love God, we have to be able to disobey him. We have to. If we can't disobey him, we, you know, we can't prove that we obey him to love him. So he put a tree there. He said, don't eat from the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil. So you get knowledge you know, uh, if you eat from it, but it's the knowledge of good and evil. You'll learn things you don't need to learn, et cetera, so to speak. Well, of course, we know the, the story. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because Satan presented it and said, hey, there's extra knowledge. <laughs> yeah. you, Eve, you can get extra knowledge, okay? Yeah. And, and again, I think the emotions oftentimes is what leads people astray in these false teachings. Um, um, you know, is, is to, to guard ourselves from this desire for extra knowledge. Look, I want all the knowledge that the Bible will give me. I want all the knowledge that God will give to mankind, right? But if we go outside the playground that God has given us and, and the fencing that God has given us for the knowledge that we're supposed to be investigating, um, then that's where deception. You say, why would God limit the knowledge? Oh, here's, the only reason God limits any type of investigative stuff is when it's demonic. It's like you don't need to go find out what Satan is saying. You don't need to, to go listen to lies to find out he's a liar. Stay away from demonic teaching. Stay with the word of God, the truth of God, which you know to be true. Be wise in what is good and ignorant in what is evil is the way the Bible says it. So I think what's happening, Greg, is that Satan is now presenting this age-old deception, the tree of knowledge. He's putting it out there saying, hey, there's stuff that God doesn't, didn't, you know, that people are trying to keep you from knowing. There's extra knowledge. And, of course, it was known as Gnosticism back during the early church. Gnostic comes from the uh, word knowledge in the Latin, uh, gnosis, and it's where we get the word knowledge. And so, you know, it's, again, it's, you have a higher knowledge. And what it was, they had this group of people that believed they had higher knowledge than the rest of the church. They had this insight. They had this whatever that nobody else could get. And then what happens is Satan, being the one who fell by pride, then feeds the pride of man. Hey, you are smarter. Hey, you are more spiritual. Hey, you do know more than the other guys, even than you know pastors or whatever. And so here, read this book and read this book and read this book. And he begins to add in extra books 
and extra resources. And again, that's where we see with Mormonism. You come in the Book of Mormon, you know, and, and all these, and, they, and you get this extra knowledge, or Jehovah's Witness, this extra knowledge, or whatever the case might be. So, with that said, God has given us what he wants us to have biblically. And so uh, the Bible was completed somewhere around 420 B.C., Nehemiah, Ezra, the last books, you know, recorded, written down. And then, and then after that, that was pretty much it until the New Testament when Jesus came as far as God giving us his word. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because the same thing Jesus, the same books Jesus had were the same ones that date back to 420 and that we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the 300s. And so we know, and, and now we have the same Bible today they had then. We know that. So because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we know we have what the Lord wanted us to have. And didn't, didn't Jesus quote the Old Testament more than any other person that is attributed to in the bible even paul oh i mean yeah he constantly uh, validated the old testament I mean, you know as far as counting how many times he quoted i don't know that i've done that but, but then that's but then that's another point of validation is that he never quoted from any of these books that are in the exactly Apocrypha. exactly and again you should kind of look yeah. the cat out of the bag this oh sorry right. that's I didn't okay you're going there <laughs> no that's where we're going <laughs> okay uh, again and, and my, my point was is that again you have this and then jesus said this let me finish up what jesus told us was legitimately of him in luke twenty four forty four. Jesus said this after he resurrected. He said, uh, concerning me, okay, he said, it's the law of Moses, the prophets, and the writings. Because he was teaching them. Here's what's concerning me. It's almost like a parent writing a letter to the babysitter while he's gone, the Holy Spirit watching over, saying, here's what my kids need while I'm gone. That's all. Don't don't go to the neighbors and ask them what they need. Don't bring here's here's what they <laughs> That's need. A good okay, way to put it. Yeah. So so it's what is what is what was the law of Moses, the writings, and the prophets that encompasses in the biblical and Jewish uh, terminology Genesis to Malachi, what we call today the Old Testament. So Jesus validated the Old Testament the Jews had in his day, which we can now validate because the Dead Sea Scrolls is the same one we have today of being Genesis to Malachi, uh, Moses, the law, the prophets, the writings, etc. So he said, if you want to know things concerning me, that's where you'll find it. And he left it there. He didn't add anything. He left it right there. Now, why is this key, Greg? Because books like the Apocrypha, which have many of these books people are being led astray in now in this day, this the, the Satan's using. These books were around. They existed at that time. You had, for example, the book of Enoch. You had the different books that are being used, I believe, to deceive people today. They were around during Jesus' day. Jesus never once quoted them. He never once made reference to them. As a matter of fact, he said he left it completely. He conspicuously left out the Apocrypha by saying, okay, concerning me, it's the law of Moses, the writings, and the prophets. Luke 24, 44. That's it, guys. That's what you're going to find concerning me. Well, Mark, what about the New Testament? Well, he legitimized that as well. He said to his disciples, I'll bring to your memory everything I've said to you. And then they wrote it down. And we have the New Testament, right? Okay, so. Yeah. Anyway, of course, he visited Paul personally and in a vision. And, yes. and, and again, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament in those 13 books that he wrote. But anyway, so Jesus gave us the Bible. He told us our boundaries. That's what we have. That's where we need to stay. That is the Christian's playground. Now, the temptation is, yeah, but what about the tree of knowledge here? Look at all these apocryphal books. There's stuff you can learn that maybe you're going to know more than the next Christian. You can get further insight. The problem is. In all the apocryphal books, there are provable errors, provable mistakes. And the one that's being used hugely right now, Greg, is the book of Enoch. Now, first of all, it wasn't written by Enoch. How do we know that? It was written between probably somewhere 300 B.C. to 100 A.D. So 400 years, over a span of 400 years, the book of Enoch was written. Well, Enoch didn't live 400 years at that time. Somebody could have lived 400 years back then, but Enoch didn't live 400 years at that time to write that book. So they used the name Enoch, but it certainly wasn't written by Enoch. They may argue that parts of it were. 
Um, the question comes up, what about the quote in Jude where he says, you know, the book of Enoch states that the world will come back with 10,000 of his saints. Two things to say, first of all, there may have been a real book of Enoch that's different than the one we have now, which I believe is, is not legitimate and demonic because it's full of mistakes. And or the fact that Jude would have taken a true statement out of a false book, that's done in other places of the Bible. Paul did that when he was talking to the, in, in, the, in the Mars Hill. He said, even one of your own poets says Cretans are, are filthy liars or whatever. Well, that was from their own writings, but Paul wasn't legitimizing see, their writings. He wasn't legitimizing their writings. He was simply saying, hey, even you can see that, you know, using your own eyes that this is wrong. So to try to use that one quote to say that yeah. proves legitimacy of the book of Enoch, nonsense. And there's a false thing. They say, well, Jesus quoted it, whatever. No, that's not. When you do your homework, that's not true either. We don't have time to get that far off, off course right now. But with that said, there's a lot of people pushing the book of Enoch today, trying to add in a new book to the Bible, trying to add in new things. Now, their claim will be, no, it was taken out. The Apocrypha was there, and, 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 the, and the early church took it out. No, here's what happened. We now know that Jesus legitimized Genesis to Malachi because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. What that means is, is nobody took anything out by removing the Apocrypha. No, they put something in and they tried to put it in. And what happened is, Greg, the Apocrypha was added when the Septuagint was written in like between 200 and the time of Christ, 200 BC uh, up to the time of Christ. The Apocrypha got added in to addition of that. And what I find interesting is. After those books were added in, Jesus took them back out. Jesus took them back out. And he made the correction. He said, concerning me, it's Moses, the writings and the prophets, Genesis to Malachi. That's it. No Apocrypha, no Enoch, nothing else. So he showed us where our playground was. He showed us where our boundaries of the word of God was. He showed us where we need to stand. And that's where we need to stand. Now. It's coming in. I think a lot of guys out there on Internet now are pushing this. It's demonic. The Bible says in the last days, First Timothy, there will be doctrines of demons. Enoch is doctrines of demons. Now you say, wait a minute, but maybe it's not. No, hold on. I've heard arguments. Well, um, uh, here's the bottom line. Enoch is chock full of provable errors. Okay. And, and, and God doesn't make errors. When God speaks, his word is 100% accurate. Deuteronomy 18. Anything that's right. not 100% accurate is not of God. And, and, and the reason we have the books we have in the Old New Testament is no one, contrary to what many people believe, no one has ever been able to prove an error, ever, or a contradiction or mistake. Only those things that are, are, are accurate and have life-changing power have been included in what we call the canon of Scripture or the Old and New Testament. Now, so all the, all the apocryphal books are chocked full of errors. Now, if you want to read them as mythology or you want to read some, maybe there, there's even probably some accurate history in some of them, but you can't look at them as the word of God. I would encourage people to stay away from Enoch because the temptation is to start giving it some kind of legitimacy. And the argument I've heard, Greg, about Enoch is, well, it's spiritual. Well, okay, wait a minute. Let's follow the logic. If it's spiritual, then what spirit is it? Well, it's God's spirit. Okay, then why did God's spirit write errors and mistakes? Uh, okay, I think that solves it. It's not God's spirit. So if you think it's spiritual, but we can prove it's not God's spirit because it has provable errors, it must be the spirit of Satan. And I believe Enoch is most definitely doctrines of demons. And the, some of the errors that you, and again, people are following this stuff. I mean, it's got stuff like there are multiple gods. It brings down the deity of Christ. Um, it talks about the God, the council of gods, giving the father counsel in heaven. He receives like it's, it's blasphemy and false doctrine that Jesus 
on purpose left out when he said concerning me, this is what you need to look at. Now, I want to point out just some of the things of the book of Enoch, because listen, I want, and we have one other topic we'll hit before we're done. May spend the whole first half here. That's fine. But um, again, I want you to hear some of the things, and and these are not hard to find. Look, go out there online and look for errors in the book of Enoch, or the book of Enoch debunked. You'll find them, and they'll give you verse and chapter, and some of the things that Enoch did. First of all, there's a number of things that I can can share about. I'm not going to take the time now, but let me just give you five of the provable errors and ridiculous things in the book of Enoch. The number, first of all, the the book of Enoch, um, in in chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, claims that uh, Enoch, uh, our fallen angels, made a deal on Mount Hermon before the flood. It says, let us all swear an oath, this is out of the book of Enoch, and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, these are angels supposedly talking, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Uh, They swear all together and bound themselves by mutual uh, uh, imprecations upon it. And they were all in 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon, and they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. In other words, they're saying that these pre-flood fallen angels named a a post-flood mountain. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so again, just logically, it doesn't make sense. But again, the bottom line is, Greg, there's nothing about that at all in Scripture. This is totally extra biblical, outside of the Bible. Uh, here's another one. The book of Enoch claims, you ready for this? Okay, look. Were there giants in the days of Noah? Yes, the Bible clearly says there were. We know that, um, 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 you know, uh, Goliath was almost 10 feet tall. Uh, we know that one of the kings, when the children of Israel came in, had a bed 13 feet long. So, you know, yeah, you may have had men between 10 and 13 feet tall uh, at the flood and maybe even some after. I mean, again, from fallen angels, there's a whole other teaching going on there. And I do believe the Bible teaches that. But the ridiculousness of the book of Enoch, it claims that the, the giants in that day that were born of women were 4,500 feet tall. And this, again, is in, in Enoch chapter 7, verse 2. And the human women became pregnant, and they bare giants whose height was 3,000 L's, which is 4,500 feet tall. Now, Greg, that is four times the height of the uh, Empire State Building. Yes. Empire State Building is 1,454 feet. Uh, the Great Pyramid is 455. So you're talking about giants that would have been three times taller than the, than the buildings in New York crashing through New York. It's, it's absurd. And as you said, the same thing I was thinking that you said before we started, show me a bone. Where's some of the fossils? Yeah. Of it? Again, just completely ridiculous false teaching. Let's go on. The Book of Enoch claims that women became mythical creatures called sirens. You know, in some of the pirate movies, you see these mermaids come up and they'll, they'll start singing and men jump in the water to their death and all these whatever. They're called sirens mm. in, in Greek mythology. And they claim that women during this time were half bird, half human. Uh, the mothers of these giants, they became half bird, half human, and they became those sirens that we see now in the movies, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, etc. blah, blah, blah. I think one of them had those in them or something. Okay. Nonsense. Total nonsense. Again, there's no creation such as that. Again, the book of Enoch claims... That rather than sin entering the world through Adam, which the Bible claims it did, the sins of the world entered through Azazel. And this is in chapter uh, 10, verse 8. The whole earth has been corrupted through the works taught by Azazel to him ascribe all sin. Well, that goes directly contrary to the word of God. You see, it's not just errors. It's direct refutation of God's word. Again, it reminds me of Satan in the garden. Yes. You you will not surely die. God didn't really say that. God really said that. It's the same thing, Greg, the tree of knowledge. I'm giving you special knowledge that nobody's. And then the pride kicks in. Pride. Pride. Oh, I know more than other people. And you can't. It's hard to reach people that go hook, line, and sinker in this stuff. My goal is not to reach them as much as to try to keep anybody heading that way from going that way. Come back. Look at what the Bible says. Look at the errors and mistakes in Enoch. Do not look at it as the word of God. And the last one. 
The book of Enoch claims that archangels made humanity righteous, not Jesus. And this is out of Enoch 10, uh, 20 and 21, also Enoch 49 through 10. Uh, I'll just read one of them. He says, God told Michael the archangel to cleanse the earth from all, go- all godlessness and all the uncleanness that is wrought upon the earth to destroy from off the earth. And all the children of men shall become righteous and all nations shall offer adoration and praise for me and shall worship me. And the earth shall be cleansed from defilement and from all sin and from all punishment and all torment. And he goes on and says, uh, the first is Michael, the merciful and long-suffering. The second who is set over all diseases and all wounds of the children of men is Raphael. And the third is set over the powers, Gabriel. The fourth is set over the repentance of unto hope for those who will inherit eternal life, named Phanuel. Uh, and these four angels of the Lord um, of spirits and the four voices I heard in those days. So uh, basically ascribing this authority and power to angels that was never given to them. Now, that's just five examples. Right. You can find many more examples of not just errors, but absurdities in the book of Enoch. And Greg, beyond that, flat out blasphemy. Just contradictions to the word of God. Listen to me, fellow brothers and sisters out there. If you're being lured in by these false teachers online, run. This is not the word of God. And, and, and by the way, people that I've talked to, Greg, oftentimes I've made a comment. Well, I'm just confused about this all right now. I'm just, I'm just learning about the book. It confuses me. Who's the author of confusion? The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, which means the author of confusion is Satan. And if you're being confused... Now in your, in your faith, in your belief, and again, even the book, it, it brings down the deity of Christ in, in other places as well. If you're having people challenging the deity of Christ, if you're, if you're confused about this and that, these are doctrines of demons entering into the church in the last days. This is not of the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus is fully equal with God in all ways. He was God in bodily form. He did not consider it robbery. He called himself equal with God. Um, there's many verses that I could get into. Again, I want to have another subject, so I don't want to go too long in that. But even in, in Isaiah chapter 9, again, for those who would say, well, from Isaiah 9, where it talks about who Jesus is, it's been changed since then. Well, no, it hasn't, because we know that from the 300s, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found the entire book of, of Isaiah. Chapter 9 is there. It has not changed one bit from what we have today. And by the way, Jesus legitimized it by quoting uh, from, from you know the Old Testament, again, we talked about in his day. So that we, we, we know that the book of Isaiah, the, the Septuagint and the Apocrypha came after that. And and they say that that's what really kind of cleared things up. No, we now go back before the Septuagint and go back before the Apocrypha. And we find that in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, it says, speaking of the son of God, a child shall be given the Christmas verse we always use and his name shall be called wonderful counselor. Note this mighty God, which means almighty, the almighty. And his name, Greg, will also be called everlasting father. Now, here's where the confusion comes in. Well, how does that work with the Trinity? Look, I'm not going to pretend to tell you I can explain in a way the Trinity that's going to give you full understanding. But I'm saying this. We need to trust God. We'll understand in heaven. We don't yeah. understand right now. But here's what I'm going to exactly. say. Isaiah 9, 6 says that Jesus is not only God, that he's also almighty God, and that he's also the Father. And then Philip said, Lord... Show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Oh, that always cracks me up. I'm like, well, yeah, I would think so. I'm sure it had to mean something different to them in that day. Because when I think about that, it's like, of course it would be enough. And Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me so long, and you do not know? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus claimed he was the Father. Isaiah 9, 6 claims Jesus is the Father. And right now, no one saying, how could it be the Father and the Son? I don't know exactly how all that works. I will say this. God is one. And the Bible talks about Jesus being begotten of the Father. It doesn't mean he had a beginning. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, it says the Son, the wording they're used there, Greg, means he was in perpetuity. 
which means the sun has always existed. Exist, He's eternal. Yeah, there was no exactly. beginning to the sun, according to Isaiah 9, 6. There's no end to the sun, according to Isaiah 9, 6. He was in perpetuity. So we know he's always existed. So what does it mean he was begotten? What it means is God manifested himself in a brand new way he'd never done throughout eternity. He manifested himself as a man. The Father gave his only begotten a new manifestation of himself in a new form. So don't let people stumble you with that whole begotten thing either. Clearly, Isaiah 9, 6 says they are all one. So how they can be all one and be separate, I can't give the full explanation. We'll find out in heaven. But I believe him. It reminds me of when Jesus told his disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And a big bunch of them got up and left. So it sounds like cannibalism, cannibalism to me. And so the Lord said to his disciples, are you guys going to leave too? And they were like, well, look, we don't know what you're talking about, but we know this. You hold the words of life. We're going nowhere, which means I don't understand right now, but it doesn't matter. You've proven yourself to me. You've proven yourself. So even though I don't understand, I trust. Well, later on, they understood he was talking about spiritually his body, spiritually his blood. He was the Lamb of God to die for the sins of the world. Well, we don't have the full spiritual understanding of uh, the Trinity. But you know what? The Bible says Jesus is not only God, but he's 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 almighty God and he is the everlasting father. Yeah. So that settles all this ridiculousness of bringing down the deity of Christ. And the book of Enoch it just is exposed as a total fraud. You know, how long uh, does it take for us in our earthly life to get to that point when we realize, wow, look at all the things I've learned over 50 or 60 years or whatever. And those are just the things about living in this life. Yeah. The wisdom and the knowledge gained of just living an earthly life that's finite and temperate and confined. Yeah. And it takes us decades through our own stubbornness and our own fallen nature right. to obtain earthly knowledge. Yeah. What makes us think, if we apply common sense, that we have the capacity yeah. to understand the things that God understands? That's right. He says, my ways are not your ways. They are beyond finding out. I, right. As you were talking, it, the, the, the movie quote from A Few Good Men, when Jack Nicholson's character told Tom Cruise's character, you can't handle the truth. Right. And, and the truth is, there are certain truths about the spiritual world, about eternity, about the very nature of God, about his attributes and existence that are not written in the Word of God that are not for us to understand right now because we don't have the capacity Absolutely. to understand it. I'm sorry if that hurts your pride, no, but yeah. it's the truth. I remember, the other, again, pride, Satan fell from pride. pride. That's why you see on these false yeah. teachings there's a lot of pride because Satan's behind it. Now, yeah. and Greg, let me say this as well. The Bible says that man is fallen, okay? <laughs> Which means our starting point yes. is a fallen brain. Yes. So we start trying on our journey to learn. Our journey starts with a flawed, fallen brain. Now, we're taking our starting point as a flawed, fallen brain and thinking that we can somehow learn these things that that are even contradict the Bible or, or somehow we can figure out. Listen, we need to trust the one who has the pure, holy brain that has not been fallen, who knows right. all things and has proven himself to be righteous and true. Yes, we seek knowledge. Yes, we seek understanding of the word of God and of sciences. That None of that is not forbidding any of that. But when it comes to things outside of the Bible that have provable errors 
and that is just nonsensical, like the book of Enoch, we need to throw that out on its head and say, I'm having nothing to do with that. And it just, again, breaks my heart to see people pulled away. But again, the Bible says doctrines of demons will enter in in the last days. Don't be a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you are listening to Pastor Mark Kirk, who's helping us make sense of the signs of the times, our weekly take on Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville, a weekly broadcast that we have tagged as podcast number 259 available through all your popular podcast outlets. Now, before we get into our articles, you had one more subject, Pastor Mark, that you wanted to talk about. I want to touch on briefly, and that is another one that's circulating right now, and that's the flat earth uh, theory or whatever, etc., and, and again, I want to make an appeal to those out there that may have been looking into that and thinking, well, maybe it is, maybe it didn't look. I, I do not believe this is a salvation issue, but I believe it could lead to something that could affect someone in their salvation. Because, again, um, I do believe it's something that can lead into further deception. Now, let me just say this. I want to start, first of all, and, and hear me out. Don't just shut off the radio if you're a person that believes in this. Hear my argument and then take it to the Lord. Um. For the last 50 years to 60, people have gone up into space. Okay? Started in the 60s, right? Was that the first time we ever went up, or did we go up in the 50s? Maybe we went up in the 50s, and then I, we land on the moon in 69. I was going to say Russia was up there before we were, but I, I, th- I want to say late 50s, early 60s. So we 60s, circled the Earth there. before we got in, but I know 69, yeah. we landed on the moon, so it may have been early 60s, late 50s. And don't, don't, I, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. the point is, when you go up in and circle the Earth, you can see what it really is. It would be very evident to see whether it was flat or whether it was round. That yeah. wouldn't be a mystery any longer. Okay, yeah. you're looking at it. Okay, no studio can can alter that. Uh, nobody can pretend anything. No Hollywood change. It's, you're seeing it. Okay. If the Earth was really flat, every person that has gone up over the last fifty to sixty years from all the nations that have sent people up, they would have to agree before they went up. Somebody have to meet with them and say, "Guys, let's all get together now." You're going to see something that we're not teaching, that the world doesn't teach. The world says the earth is round. You're going to see that it's flat. You have to give us a guarantee in in writing or in some type of pact that you will not tell the truth. Because if you let this out, it blows the cover of this thing we're trying to do. So do you agree that you'll just everybody will say that it's round no matter what you see. Forget what your eyes see. You've got to agree that it's round. And then everybody agree to that. And then they go up. And then they see that it's flat, and they all have to agree. And then, over the last 50 to 60 years, nobody leaks it. Nobody ever lets somebody know they really saw it was round. No deathbed confession. I just got to tell you, it's, it's, really, it's really flat. I got to tell you, I saw it, you know. No, everyone that's been up over the last 50 to 60 years says, it's round. I flew around it. I watched the curvature as we went around, and I saw that it was round from outer space. It is not flat, okay? It's not surrounded by a barrier of ice, and all these different teachings that come to the flat earth. First of all, on a reasonable level, I believe it's impossible for there to be a flat earth on just reason of those that have gone up and circled the earth over the last 50 to 60 years. Now, there's lots of scientific arguments I could give you that the earth is not flat. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I'm just going to say... Wind currents. Yeah, well, ocean well a currents. lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. But let me say this. They, th- those that believe in flat earth say that it's surrounded by this big, long sheet of ice all the way around the flat part. It's all ice, and they call it the outer, you know, from the outermost parts of the world. Okay, that's what they call it. But then when you go to the Bible, God says in the last days, he will bring the, all the Jews back to Israel from the outermost parts of the world. That would mean they're all living out there on these icebergs that surround the earth, and then God's going to call them in from those icebergs at some point if you follow the logic. So I don't want to get into a big um, trying to prove something biblically right now because, I, again, that's not my point, although I think we can. 
I think there's enough science to show what's really going on. What I'm saying is, is think this through. Even the one reasoning aspect that I gave you about why it would be impossible for the earth to be flat. Um, because here's the problem with it. Here's my concern with it. You say, well, Mark, it's not a salvation issue. But it could be, I believe, and here's why. I've just heard thunder. I don't know if everybody heard that on the radio. We had, we had a thunderstorm warning earlier yeah, before we went that's, on the that's, air, so that's That's symbolic what it was. of the voice of God. I like that. Was, I like that, was, that. that was God confirming. I like that. <laughs> anyway, he says, I concur. Anyway, um, but with that said, um, here, here, here's something to consider. Um, if, if you believe something like that that is, that is logically provable to be false— then I believe you cross over a threshold of using logic and reason that now opens up a door to all these other conspiracy theories. And I think at that point you'll believe anything. As a matter of fact, Answers in Genesis has an article about the flat earth, and you can look that up on your own. Ken Ham's Answers in Genesis ministry encourage people to go check that out. And the guy writing it makes the argument saying, look, the people that he has seen that make that jump into that and fully buy into it, once they cross over into the flat earth mindset, they believe every other conspiracy that's out there, all of them. And that's where it gets kind of crazy. It goes too far, and now we're getting into this whole kind of just non-logic, non-Bible, just kind of everything goes. And once you cross over into a barrier where everything goes, I believe somebody could be deceived to be pulled away from Christ. Um, you know, no one can snatch you out of the Lord's hand. I know that. But the Bible didn't say we can't walk away by our own choice and by foolishness. You cannot lose your salvation. But the Bible doesn't say you can't leave it. Now, I'll leave that to you theologically to battle out on your own. I'm just saying I have a great concern about those that start believing some of these things that even by reason can be shown to be false um, because it opens up a door now to further deceptions. And if we ever need to be on our spiritual toes, Greg, it is in this day. In the day when doctrines of demons are going to be coming in, we need to make sure that we we are just on high alert. Look, here's the bottom line. Could there be something the Bible doesn't tell us that we're going to find out in heaven that, that, that was extra knowledge we could have gotten to? Maybe. I don't know. But I will say this. If we choose to stay within the confines of the Bible, every believer will be safe. Every one of you out there right now, if you choose to stay within the confines of Scripture that Jesus validated, like we just talked about earlier, you will be safe. But if you go outside that boundary, you may not be safe. And now you're opening yourself up to doctrines of demons, teachings of men, um, just reasoning, emotions, all kinds of things that can get you in huge trouble. So that's all I want to say on it. I want to get into some articles today. I know I spent longer than I planned, but this is something heavy on my heart. I'm going to be sharing with the body here in a couple of weeks doing a teaching on this. We'll have it out there online, but I just, I just, it's really something that needs to be addressed in our day and age. Well, I'm just going to share a scripture verse very quickly. First John 4, 1. Okay. Uh, says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, yes. whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Absolutely. And that's the key. Test the spirits to see where they be of God, especially when somebody tells you, yes, but the apocryphal may not be the word of God because it has mistakes and errors, but it's spiritual. Well, okay. What spirit is it? Because if it's God's spirit, there won't be errors and there won't be mistakes. God doesn't make errors. God doesn't make mistakes. That means it has to be Satan's spirit. Run, fellow precious saints, run. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to his confirmed word, and you're going to be fine. I would rather stand before him on that day and him say, you mean you only believed the Bible? What's wrong with you, Mark? You only believe the Bible? No, he wouldn't do that, but I would rather have that happen than me stand before him and believe all these extra biblical things and him say, you did what? Why did you believe all this stuff that had all these crazy things in it and false teaching? Why, why did you believe that, Mark? 
Well, because it seemed real. Oh, my. Yeah. I had so much more reward for you. You know, I don't want to be that guy. I'd rather him chastise me for only believing his word, which he won't do, than to him to chastise me for believing things outside of his word. I'll leave that with our listeners and, and know my heart is simply a heart of love and brokenness. And want, I want you to be protected from the last day's deceptions that I think have arrived. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, run to Israel. Let's do it. And uh, take a look at a couple of articles here. Pastor Mark from Israel National News. Three rockets fired from Syria. And, of course, the IDF retaliates like yes. they're going to sit on their hands like we do. And let me let me note here, look, three rockets coming in doesn't sound like a big story over there. When they get rockets all the time, they're getting yes. from the north, the south. Why is this a big deal? Because this is a different region. You've been getting bombs from the, from the north, from Lebanon. You've been getting bombs from the Gaza area. Now they're coming from Syria, which is where Russia is. So this is a new front, if you will, sending in rockets. It's been a while uh, since they've getting the attacks from that area. Three rockets launched from Syria toward uh, Israel territory. Two of them crossed in uh, Israel territory. One intercepted. IDF spokesman unit said that the two of the rockets crossed into the Israeli territory. One fell in open areas while the second one was intercepted. In response, the uh, IDF artillery struck the area in Syria from which the rockets were launched. So again, of course, they're going to strike back and you're going to see again, that's going to increase tensions because every time Israel defends themselves, somebody gets mad because so many people want to destroy Israel, namely Satan himself. The Jerusalem Post is reporting that Israel is seeking U.S. support for yeah. IDF buildup as experts are predicting an Iranian strike. Now, this is huge. This is huge. I've been saying one of the things that could push Iran to attack is if Israel strikes. So watch this, fellow believers. The IDF's military intelligence uh, directorate informed the upper echelon on Thursday that Israel was closer to war than to restoration of calm. A top defense official sought United States support to bolster IDF forces as a security expert on Thursday predicted that Israel might have to strike Iran within a year to halt its nuclear program. And again, he spoke after a meeting with U.S. Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Call, in Washington, which took place as Israel remains in danger of an immediate war on all borders, Gaza, Lebanon, and Syria, after rockets launched that we just read about. So the bottom line is, look, something's going to be those hooks in the jaw that's going to pull them down. And again, we talked about it. If, if Iran, even though they know that Israel's military is stronger than they are, if they get upset enough, then they're going to move. And this may be what does it. Watch this. If they strike Iran, that's a big deal. Big deal. All right, some Ezekiel 38 and 39 news. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Egypt planned or is planning or will still be planning to covertly send Russia not four rockets, not 40, not 400, not 4,000, but 40,000 rockets. Yes. Now, Pastor Mark, that's not very neighborly. No, it's not, uh, especially when you got you know, the fact that uh, Russia's on Israel's border and and America uh, is opposed to Russia and all that's happening right now in Ukraine. So this is kind of like uh, one of our allies kind of allying with somebody who's not an ally, not a good way to build relations. And it was supposed to be a secret here, according <laughs> to the report, uh, CC, which the president, uh, um, uh, Al-CC, told the Egyptian military to keep the rocket secret. <laughs> so as to avoid problems with the West. Again, you know, again, you, you can't keep these things secret. Kind of goes back to the argument we talked about in the first half, and he couldn't keep it very long. I and don't I see quote, why the West would care. But. If it's true that CC is uh, covertly building rockets for Russia that could be used in Ukraine, we need to have a serious reckoning about the state of our relationship, Senator Chris Murphy told the Washington Post. So again, remember, that would be a directly um, helping the enemy of America, and so it does have implications and does come into play in the Middle East as far as tensions there. Again, so there could be 
be some connections to the uh, tensions with Ezekiel 30 and 39, although Egypt is not a part of that, but it's still building those tensions with Russia right there with Iran on the border of Israel. Okay. This, uh, this could also be a one-world economy thing. I mean, eventually this is going to become global. Uh, but uh, biometrics-based payments pilot is being initiated by J.P. Morgan. Yes. Which is, by the way, maybe you do not know this if you're not in the finance world or an investor, J.P. Morgan is America's largest bank. Oh, I didn't realize that until, of course, again, you sent some materials today, and, of course, you mentioned it right there. But, again, yes. uh, biometrics, guys, that we want your eyes, we want your hand, we want your forehead. Eventually, we're <laughs> going to want to chip you if we can, and they will. Biometrics oh, they will. payments. To bring speed and, and efficiency uh, benefits to U.S. merchants and their customers uh, as J.P. Morgan Payments bolsters broader offering to merchants with commerce solutions launch. J.P. Morgan will begin piloting biometrics-based payments with select retailers in the U.S. This is the first pilot solution to launch from J.P. Morgan's Payments' new commerce solutions suite of products dedicated to helping merchants adapt to rapidly evolving payments. In biometrics-based payment, pilot includes palm and face identification, Interesting, they're, they're palm reading, Greg. Very interesting. <laughs> yes. For payments authentication in-store and works on the enroll, capture, authenticate, pay basis, global biometric payments are expected to reach $5.8 trillion and $3 billion by 2026, and according to, um, to the good, G-O-O-D-E, intelligence. So, again, a further step toward the mark of the beast, getting more information about our bodies and our person, which, again, will move on yeah. the skin soon. Yeah. And let me just say this for those of you that love technology. Pastor Mark and I love technology yes. too. But understand this is not about the technology. This is not about whether they're using your palm or your fingerprint or your DNA or a retina scan um, or eventually the chip and whatever. What's happening right now is getting you conditioned. Yeah. To understand without you even consciously being aware of the fact that you are becoming one with the technology. Now, from a spiritual battle, when we give our lives to Jesus and God indwells us, the EN part of what the Holy Spirit's role is, what, what that means is that now we've become one with the Lord. Satan can't do that. The only way that he, we, he can force people to become one with him is through technology and the more he can get technology on you and in you then that spiritual objective will be achieved that he's trying to do and so don't miss the spiritual battle in all of this technology absolutely absolutely all right uh next article from israel national news the u.s administration is seeking a regime change in israel you know what's kind of funny pastor mark a lot of people in our country are seeking regime change. yeah well anytime you're right but anytime (laughs) we see somebody going actively and openly against the nation of israel yeah that is a warning warning god says you do not touch israel they're the apple of my eye you are to be friends with them you are to love them you're to support them uh what does it say in genesis 12 3 those who uh, love israel those who you know bless israel i'll bless those who curse israel i will curse god's very clear on that and of course that's by implication of the descendants of abraham uh all that exact wording is not used but that's what it says 
And and again, it's it, you know, th- and again, remember before I even starting the article, that doesn't mean we agree with everything Israel does. It doesn't mean that they're righteous. That's not the point. It's not about whether they're righteous. It's not about whether they do everything right or not. It's about God said, "You stand with them because I'm going to pour my Spirit out on them in the last days. I'm going to revive them. I'm going to save the children of Abraham and use them greatly, even during the millennial kingdom." Well, the Biden administration has jumped into the Israel domestic uh, political controversy by supporting uh, a small but well-funded and very loud minority of radical anti-Israel progressive left parties. You know, that describes a lot of the left, a lot of loud, small, minority, radical voices that people try to go along with when it's really a small number of people. Israel and the U.S. are going through tumultuous times, it says. In both countries, the gap between the right and left has dramatically widened. Aided by foreign power interference after decades of power grabbing and abuse, the laws by here's the explanation. After decades of power grabbing and abuse of laws by the Israeli Supreme Court, Uh, And the attorney general, the Israeli voters have had enough. After four inconclusive elections, they voted decisively for the Likud coalition, which ran on a platform of reforming the corrupt legal system. Here's what they were doing. They have a corrupt Supreme Court right now. It says today the court's 15 judges can veto everything the Knesset or their Congress and the executive government decide. And that's what they've been doing, Greg. Anything that's solid and good for the nation, they've been vetoing. And they're allowed to do that. And the attorney general acts as a prosecutor and a judge. So they're basically legislating from the bench. The unelected judiciary, which is what the Supreme Court in Israel is, has constantly interfered with the elected legislature, canceling laws, even blocking the prime minister from governing like he should. So what they're saying is it's corrupt. They're out of order. We're going to take them over. We're going to remove them and put this thing back in order. Of course, the left's having a fit about that, but it's the right thing to do. I completely support Netanyahu in this and the government there. The crazy thing to me is it doesn't surprise me. But our government is fighting for those that are the corrupt ones, and they're the ones fighting against Israel, God's people, and then we as a nation are the ones who suffer the consequences because we're not standing with Israel. I need a message to our leadership. Stay out of this. Leave Israel alone. If you're going to do anything with Israel, bless them. Love them. Serve them. Then God will be with you, and God will bless our nation. But we bring a curse on our nation if we do the kind of things that our current administration is doing. Yeah. You may be all right let's look at some one world government news this is from ap network news uh china military is ready to fight after drills near taiwan yeah 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 they they got all their testosterone worked up and they're ready to go well again matthew 24 remember says there in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war here's a rumor of war there have always been wars and rumors of wars, but what Jesus said, you will see that increase, like a woman with birth pangs. And I think these are the Braxton Hicks we talk about that happened before the actual contractions, which will happen during the Great Tribulation. Uh, but it says this, China's military declared Monday, it's ready to fight. After completing three days of large-scale combat exercises around Taiwan that simulated sealing off the island in response to Taiwanese president's trip, um, the Taiwanese president's trip to the U.S. last week. The combat readiness patrols, named Joint Sword, were meant for as a warning of self-governing of Taiwan, which, again, they don't want Taiwan to be self-governing, which China claims as its own, China's military uh, said earlier. And I quote, the theater's troops are ready to fight at all times and can fight at any chance to resolutely smash any form of Taiwan independence and foreign interference attempts. It said Monday. In other words, we can smash Taiwan, but if America comes in, we'll smash them too. Now, before your pride gets up and you get your eagle feathers ruffled, um, you know, sadly, that used to be something that 
we could mock at. But as America's turned away from God, I, I'm concerned about our power because true power comes from heaven. It doesn't come from nuclear weapons, military modern planning, which, by the way, they're saying now we don't have even a number, enough ammunition and some of our artillery things because we sent them all to Ukraine. They're saying it's going to take three years to get us back to be ready for a war with China. We sent it all to Ukraine. And so, and so the bottom line is we are now not only weaker because of our turn from God, we don't have the military prowess we had. This would be, and I hate to say it, a perfect time for China to move on America or to move on our allies and do whatever they want. Because, Greg, honestly, two things. I don't think we could stop them. And number two, I don't know that we want to. It's a different leadership we have right now in our nation. And we need to be aware of that. So not trying to put fear in hearts. Listen, for the believer, God's our protector. He's the one that watches over us. And so we're safe with him. But at the same time, I, I, I used the analogy Wednesday night. I think of Samson. Samson kept his power from God as long as he kept his covenant with God. And that is, he, he kept a promise to not cut his hair until he died. It was a Nazarite vow in that day. And he let his hair be cut, and he lost his power. And it's interesting, it says, um, and he got up to go out as before to fight the Philistines, but, but didn't realize that God w- wasn't with him. Well, America, we've, we've in large part abandoned God and turned away from our commitment to God as a nation. And Greg, if we try to get up and go out as before, I'm not sure we're going to have very good results. It might just be like Samson. Our hair may have already been cut off. Yeah. Well, and that's a, a, that's a good point to make. The true power wasn't necessarily in the length of Samson's hair. That's right. The length of his hair was representative of the covenant that was made and the power that was given him because he maintained the covenant. Amen. But when he got rid of it, then the true power was gone, and that was the Lord. The Lord left him, not that he realized his locks had left him. That's right. Or that his locks were cut. It didn't say that. That's right. Good point. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Why can't we be friends? That's what we want to know. The Jews are nice, for the most part. The Times of Israel is telling us that the Jordanian king, eh, he's not too sure about that. He says the Muslims have a quote-unquote duty to deter Israeli escalation in Jerusalem. Yeah. Are they really escalating? What are they doing? Well, again, I think part of this, too, is saying, look, you guys have a responsibility as well to keep things from getting out of hand. So it's not just a rebuke, like saying the Jews are this. I think he's also saying, look, guys, you guys have to safeguard, yeah, but also keep things from escalating. Uh, let me read this, and I'll talk yeah. a little bit about the setup going on in Israel right now. Jordan's King Abdullah II expressed on Sunday a commitment to safeguard Jerusalem's holy sites in a meeting in Amman with Muslim and Christian religious leaders from the city. And I quote, it is the duty of every Muslim to deter Israeli escalations against holy sites in Jerusalem. The king touted a long-time commitment to preserving peace and harmony at Jerusalem's Flashpoint Temple Mount site, which houses the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound, or the Noble Sanctuary, as they also call it, Islam's third holiest site. The Temple uh, Temple Mount is revered by Jews as the historic location of two Jewish temples, which it was, making it Judaism's holiest site. Jordan views itself as a custodian of the Temple Mount, a status Israel does not recognize, though it acknowledged the kingdom's special role at the site in countries, the country's peace treaty. Jordan in 1994 became the second Arab country to recognize the sign and sign a peace treaty with neighboring Israel and Egypt. So here's the deal. When in, in the 67 war, um, actually the 72 war, no, 67 war, I believe it was, they retook the Temple Mount. Uh, Jews did, but rather than just claiming sovereignty over it and just saying nobody up here but Jews, 
They allowed uh, Jordan and the others that were there at that time to kind of oversee it, Greg, to keep World War III from breaking out. And um, and so that's kind of the role. They kind of see themselves in Jordan as kind of the keepers of the Temple Mount, although it's in sovereignty of Israel. And and so what, what they're saying is, is that there's been an uproar because of Passover. There were a lot of just tensions that were going, et cetera. They had to storm the Aqsa Mosque and all that, the Jewish police did and all. Uh, but but uh, again... He's just saying, hey, look, the Muslims are still in control. Everybody relax. That's going to change soon. The Muslims will keep control of their half of it, but the Jews will be given the other half because the Bible says the Antichrist is going to let them rebuild their temple. And I think you're going to see working toward a dividing of the Temple Mount soon. So keep your eye on that. Very interesting. Anytime they talk about the Temple Mount, I find it interesting. It Absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, let's get to some good news. After all that other news. Yes. Uh, this is from ChristianHeadlines.com, and hopefully this truly is good news. Yeah. Former Nickelodeon show creator launches cartoon to teach kids about the Bible. And the only reason I say it is because not necessarily everything on Nickelodeon is wholesome well, and or again, biblically accurate. I, 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 yeah, or, look, I already see some things I have an issue with here. Oh, One okay. thing I'll mention. However, at, okay. least, at least they're pointing kids to God. So that is some good news. Yes. The creator of the hit Nickelodeon show for the Fairly Odd Parents has launched a new series that aims to teach children about God, the Bible. Butch Hartman and his wife, Julianne, recently released six episodes of the 40-episode cartoon called The Garden. The animated show is centered around characters Lenny, Lenny the Lion and Lucy the Lamb. <laughs> the show also includes an app and a companion Bible that features illustrations of the characters from the series. And I quote, our point is to get scripture as early into the hearts of children as we can. That's just, this is good. Uh, Butch told the Christian Post in a recent interview. Now, here's the part that, hey, look, I think it's going to be good, but there, there's some things that maybe don't present God the way that really I think children should see him. But let me just, you'll see when I yeah, read it. Okay. Lenny and Lucy live in a garden together with everything that's beautiful growing, and they talk to God, whom they refer to as the boss. You know, again, I think that's probably they should, it, it, the boss kind of brings down the whole view of who God really is. Kids don't understand that, but as an adult, I go, you know, I, the only the only detriment I see is I wish they'd come up with something else they called God besides the boss because it kind of sounds like the man upstairs or <laughs> yes it, it kind of lessens yeah, you know I think it'd be right, better to right. say you know whom they refer to as you know I don't know they're trying to maybe get around using the father or God or whatever but you know if you think of God as just your boss that's not the best imagery for a child to grow up with so that's the only thing I have to go guys come on but I'm glad they're leading them to the Bible it goes on God who comes down as a rainbow talks to the characters, and gives them assignments and tasks. However, they can only complete the tasks well after they turn to, uh, well after they turn to Scripture. The show also hopes to help children memorize Scripture through song. So I think there's a lot of good benefits. A lot of good benefits. I think that maybe they're trying to find a compromise with Hollywood. And they're the going to start with the Book of Enoch and memorize it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, anyway, I'm just no, I get what that is not part of the news story. Yeah, right. But either way, so I, I hate to pull away from our good news story today, but the, the only thing I would say about it is if, if mom and dad, if your kids do watch it, you may want to talk to them and say, God really isn't our boss you know he he's our father and he loves us and we we obey him because we love him not because we have to or he's not some boss in the workplace or whatever no he's god almighty and again you say well mark kids don't understand that the thing is though the imagery you put in a kid's heart at a young age has a big impact so i would encourage the 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 writers of this to reconsider calling god the boss uh but hopefully there's going to be some good benefit as they teach kids scripture and all that anytime you have somebody connected to hollywood that has anything to do with the bible it's a good thing yeah you hate to you hate to deter that because again there's so little of it you know that's true but that's true and and again you know with just the, a short amount of time we have left let me just say again you know as we as often do at the end of the show you know a lot of things we've said today guys the heart is simply to turn your heart toward the lord 
Um, if you're searching today and you're going, you know, I, I've enjoyed the show or I, I heard these guys, but I really don't know God. Know this. The Bible says that God did become a man uh, and he lived on the earth as Jesus Christ. He came to die. He, he, he came because only blood can take our sins away. So the Bible says he went. He allowed the Roman authorities to, to put him to death on a cross for the purpose of his blood being shed because he was sinless and spotless, the spotless lamb who takes away the sins of the world, and all who believe in him and the fact that his blood takes their sins away, all that then receive him as Lord and Savior, step two, receiving him, and step three, all those who repent of their sins, that is, turn from their sins, will be born again, and the Bible says you'll have eternal life in the kingdom of God. I make that appeal to you. If God has touched your heart today, call out to him. He wants to set you free, and we, and we want you to be, he wants you to be a part of the family, and we do as well. Absolutely. Pastor Mark, thank you so much, and folks, thank you for tuning in and listening later. If this is your podcast time, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net for not just things, signs of the times related, but other content that we provide, as well as our radio station WIAM that broadcasts the Word of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Test the spirits and get in church this weekend and fellowship with your brothers and sisters and then come back here next Friday for more Signs of the Times on WIAM. Oh.